Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. If you've been here throughout this series, we've been talking about everything. We've been talking about, uh, I know Betty preached two messages on Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, I know that Pastor Dwight preached on the functionality of the Holy Spirit. I talked about how when God moves, when the Holy Spirit moves, it can be messy. And we've, we've covered so many different bases and covered so many different things. But as the series has gone on, I've really felt within my heart that God led me to speak on tongues. Nobody said amen. <laughs> That's funny. No, I was just, li- <laughs> right? Today, let's go. No, I want to talk about speaking in tongues. And as soon as that topic gets brought up, people get stiff. It gets stiff, and for good reason, because the, the, the get, that gift in particular Um, I would say this, that it is the most misunderstood gift in all of the gifts. And not only is it misunderstood, it's controversial. Um, And the reason why it's misunderstood and controversial is because it's mysterious. And it's not something that that is normal for us. And so for everybody in the room, this is going to be so good, Pastor Dwight, but for everybody in the room, who is thinking, should we speak in tongues in church or shouldn't we speak in tongues in church? The answer is yes. Yes. We're going to get into that, and it's going to be really, really exciting. It's it's highly probable that every one of us either knows someone or is someone who's had an issue with tongues. It tends to, uh, weird tends to get associated with speaking in tongues. Um, Pastor Rob McCorkle uh, McCorkle in his book, uh, Bridging the Great Divide, said, no other gift in the list of nine, that's in 1 Corinthians 12, has caused as much grief and division as this one. I think we see that. We see (laughs) this Sunday morning, There are churches that are preaching, you know, we're not like every other church. We speak in tongues here. And there are other churches that are like, we're not like those crazy churches. We don't speak in tongues here. It causes so much division and grief. And there's so many different denominations that have angles and and take uh, certain bents in it. I suggest to you that the reason for such misunderstanding, controversy, grief, and division is that it's just a mystery. What do I mean by mystery? I mean that it is often difficult for people who do not speak in tongues to understand and wrap their minds around it. You know that if you hear someone speaking in tongues, there will undoubtedly be someone that's like, they're demon-possessed. They're speaking the devil's language. We don't do that. Elder, usher, take them to the back. We don't do that here. This is what gets associated with such an amazing gift. I'll never forget, I had a conversation just in the last year with a friend of mine, grew up in church, doesn't go to church anymore, uh, but, but has a general understanding of faith and belief in God. And we were talking about a myriad of things, and we start, I started bringing up uh, prophetic things. You know, I, I've had this prophetic word, and I've had this prophetic word, and, you know, God shared this with me, and this happened. And, and uh, this person is amazingly curious, loves, loves to talk, have these types of conversations. So we're talking, and this individual said to me, you know, I grew up in a church that was crazy. And I was like, same. And he was like, you know, there will be people there that, Just, we'd be in the middle of our church service, and then out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit would take them over, 
and they just start to speak uncontrollably in something I didn't understand, and it freaked me out. And I was like, you mean tongues? He's like, yeah, tongues. He's like, what do you think about tongues? I was like, I speak in tongues. He was like, you do? <laughs> We're no longer friends. No. <laughs> I said, yeah, I speak in tongues. And he was like, what do you mean you speak in tongues? I was like, I, I speak in tongues. And he was like, so, like, what, how does that work? Like, what, do you feel the Holy Spirit just, like, take over your mouth? It's like, no, you don't? It's like, yeah, I just, he was like, I, I, I don't get it. So in that moment, I was, I just started speaking in tongues. He, we were at a restaurant, he was looking at his menu, and he was like, And then I stopped, and he was like, did you just speak in tongues? I said, yeah. He was like, in a restaurant? <laughs> yeah. This was funny. He was like, and you stopped? Because you know, in certain denominational circles, in certain circles, like, it's like someone is out of control, speaks in tongues, has no control over themselves, and people are just looking at him like, when is the Holy Spirit going to be done? And I said, yeah, because I'm the one. When the Holy Spirit fills you and you have a, uh, a speak, you have a tongues gift, you can start and stop it. It's not like the Holy Spirit takes over control of your body and you can't control it. It was a mystery. It was something that he did not understand. It was hard for him to wrap his mind around it. And here's the truth. Today, when we talk about tongues, it's like there's these urban church legends that get established about this gift. It's weird. It, you, people are demon-possessed. They have no control over themselves. And, and here's what happens is, as a result of the urban legends that have been created about this amazing gift, it adds fuel to the fire of misunderstanding. Do you know that we're that church? Do you know that people see Redeemer's Church as that church? Do you know that people see Redeemer's Church and have, quote, described Redeemer's Church as that snake handling church? <laughs> For the visitors in the room today, we have garden, gardener snakes in the connect room for everybody. They bite a little bit, but feel free to grab one. It's our parting gift for you. And the reason why we're the snake handling church is because we speak, speak in tongues. So in certain circles, snake handling and speaking in tongues make total perfect sense. It's an urban legend. Right? These things that people create. Now, why is it that we're known as a snake handling church? Matter of fact, I believe that Pastor Betty informed me of that when we were doing some sort of venture together with partnering with another church. And they were like, where are you guys from? We're like Redeemer's Church. And somebody was like, where's that at? It's the snake handling church. Oh, I know where that's at. So why is that? Why do we get known as that? Because we practice certain things outlined clearly in Scripture that are mysterious to certain groups of people, and as a result to those people, they begin to label those things because they don't understand them. Tongues is one of those things. And because of its mysterious nature, people resist it because they misunderstand it. Paul actually acknowledged the mysterious nature of speaking in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, he says, for one who speaks in a tongue, now he's talking about not, he's not talking about English, he's talking about spiritual tongues. He does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands. That's the mystery. There's a mystery connected, for no one understands, but in his spirit, he speaks what? Mysteries. So tongues is a mystery, but listen to me this morning. Just because something is a mystery does not mean that we have to misunderstand it. All that requires is just a little bit more deeper, thorough investigation of what Scripture says about it. 1 Corinthians 12, matter of fact, verses Corinthians 12 and 14 were written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through, through Paul, particularly because... 
of the mystery of speaking in tongues. People were confused. People didn't understand it. And as a result, as of that lack of clarity, he felt like he had to address it. So in 1 Corinthians 12, we see the very reason why he wrote, especially this chapter. chapter. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be unaware. That word in the Greek is, I don't want you to be ignorant, and I don't want you to misunderstand it. So what Paul is acknowledging with this is that there was misunderstanding when tongues was spoken. In this church, and he had to bring some clarity. So one of Paul's main purposes behind these chapters was to bring understanding to these spiritual gifts that were misunderstood because they were mysterious. And over the course of especially chapters 12 and verse, or chapter 14, Paul outlined so much about the purpose of speaking in tongues to help remove the mystery of it that causes misunderstanding. I was speaking with Gary Larson, and one of the things I loved about what he said is he said, Paul outlined what he outlined in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 in regards to prophecy in tongues, not to eliminate the good things, but to allow the good things to exist and the unfruitful things to be left behind. His whole point was, tongues is to be encouraged, but we have to give understanding to it. And I believe there's so much lack of clarity here. So before we get into this, this, this subject of tongues, let's first focus in on the following question. Is speaking in tongues a spiritual gift for today? Should believers speak in tongues and pursue speaking in tongues in 2023? The biblical answer is absolutely. We should absolutely desire this. Look at what scripture says. I believe Pastor Dwight uh, referenced this earlier this month. Mark 16, 17, Jesus said, these signs, that word signs means wonders that God gives to mankind. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. They will speak in new tongues. Now that was not, they will become more educated. That was, they will speak in a language and tongue they've never spoken before in their life. They will speak in new tongues. So Jesus said, it's going to follow them. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Paul says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. You know what that means? That means that if you haven't discerned spirits, if you have not prophetically spoken, if you have not spoken in tongues, if you've not been able to interpret tongues, there's more for you. Earnestly desire the greater gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. This is Paul saying this. I wish you all spoke in tongues. Which means that for the rest of eternity, there will be believers that do and don't. And that's fine. If, if, if at the, I'm not convincing anybody, I'm not trying to convince anybody this morning to speak in tongues. Not. That's up to you. But I'm going to lay out the scripture so that you see it clearly. He said, I wish you all spoke in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. The second to last verse in the whole chapter of uh, 14. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Word forbid means don't hinder it, don't deny it, don't refuse it, don't withhold it. Some people that do have the gift, but because of some sort of trepidation or fear, even in a congregation, in a place where people do speak in tongues, they're even hesitant to vocalize it. Don't forbid it. Don't hinder it. And I know that so many of you are like, but, but 1 Corinthians 14 says this and that and this and that. We'll get there. Paul goes on in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Quench means don't suppress it. <laughs> don't stifle it. You know what that means? That means when 
the Holy Spirit is moving on you that causes an emotional reaction. We're not saying, hey, cut that out. This is church. Everything must be done in order. No, you allow it. Do you redirect people at times? Yeah, absolutely, because there can be times where it can be a distraction. Oh, they're rolling. Oh, they're, <laughs> they're running around. Okay, cool. But you don't stifle it. You don't say, hey, we're, we're, we don't do that here. I know that it happened in the New Testament. We, we don't do that here. It's basically saying we're, we're not a New Testament church, guys. We're not going to allow that. So don't suppress it. Don't stifle it. So is speaking in tongues a spiritual gift for today? Well, I see all of those scriptures. Yes. Now, there may be other people that are not in this room. And I'm just going to add this. It's not in my notes. But there may be other people because, you know, you've heard the argument that say, um, are the gifts for today? Anybody heard that one? Are the gifts today? There, there's this uh, fancy word, uh, cessationism, which means that the, the gifts ceased to exist after the early church got established. They were no longer necessary. Well, let's look at one scripture that may be an unfamiliar quoted scripture that argues against that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm sorry, 13. This is the love chapter, but there's something very interesting here. In verse, let's see here. In verse 8, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away too. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Okay. It says, knowledge will cease, tongues will cease, and prophecy will cease when the perfect comes. Is the world perfect? Okay. So that means they were, they're not ceased yet. The only perfect one to come is who? Has he arrived yet? Nope. So that means they're still for today. It's that cut and dry. It's that simple. Has knowledge ceased? Have we stopped learning new things? No. So if knowledge has not ceased, then prophecy shouldn't, and tongues it shouldn't either. So is speaking for, in tongues for today? Yes. So then what purposes is tongues to be used for? To answer that question, we have to first understand, and this is so important. This is absolutely important, and this is where much of the controversy and confusion and a lack of clarity come from. You have to understand that when the word tongues in English is seen in the New Testament, it means multiple things. There's actually four kinds of spiritual tongues that are referenced when tongues is used. So as a result of the fact that there are four different kinds of understandings for that word when it's used, because you know that things get lost in translation. So you have to look at the context of scripture to understand what, how is tongues being applied here. And that's why I said at the beginning of the, of the sermon that should you speak in tongues publicly and should you not? The answer is yes, because it depends on what you're doing. It depends on its use. But what is some of the gravest mistakes that have been made has been an overgeneralization to the gift itself and saying, no, we don't do that anywhere but on your own. That's where we've gone wrong. So there's actually four purposes to this gift. Number one, or I'm sorry, four uses for this gift. Number one, that we see in scripture. Number one, spiritual tongues is used in the New Testament to refer to moments when other known languages that the Holy Spirit empowers uh, you to speak supernaturally are used. How many of you know where we saw that? Where did we see that? Pentecost. Those men spoke in other tongues, but they were known tongues. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. 
That's the reference. God pours out his Holy Spirit and the disciples, I counted it, speak in 18 other known languages supernaturally without knowing that what was, uh, uh, not without knowing that what uh, they were saying actually made sense to people. Okay, so let's stop right here. So if speaking in tongues, Pastor Dwight, should be forbidden in every perfect, uh, every public sphere, then Pentecost would have never happened. The greatest evangelism, soul-winning crusade started because the Holy Spirit poured out the gift of tongues on men. And you know what I find? I don't see anywhere in Acts chapter 2 someone in the upper room saying, you better have an interpretation for that. <laughs> it's so quiet in here. You better have an interpretation for that. You know why? Because down on the street, it was loud and clear what they were saying. See, here's, here's, there's, there's, a, there's nuance to tongues. Some of us are like, I, I I speak, I speak in tongues personally. I'm talking about myself. And others of you may be say, I, I speak in tongues. How do I know if I'm speaking another known language or not? Guess what? It's not for you to know. Because you'll, what you'll find over and over again in the stories I'll share is that it was for the benefit of someone who was overhearing it. And it's not for you. So you're just like, I, unless I know what language this is, I'll never forget. This was the funniest thing ever, day, ever. Do you remember this? We were at my house. I was talking about speaking in tongues at youth. And we were just talking about like, do you think you speak in another like, na like known language in the earth? And we were all just talking and, you know, and, and a guy that I will, that's not in the room. So I want you to span the room really quick and just kind of gather your thoughts about who I may be speaking to. He was just like... It was all dead quiet, and he was like, you know, I think I speak in Hindi. And everybody was like, why Hindi? <laughs> it was so funny. It was so, it felt like the most random selection of a language. It's like, wh why not like Greek or Hebrew? <laughs> Hindi? But it's not for you to know. It's for the people that will overhear you. So you know what that means? You actually have to speak in tongues in public spaces because the Holy Spirit might use the gift to change someone else's life as they're overhearing you speak in your tongue. So the first one is that other known languages... Four uses, other known languages that the Holy Spirit empowers you to speak supernaturally. Number two, angelic tongues. Angelic tongues, okay? Now, these are tongues that have no interpretation or have no translation. That's why they need interpretation. Ain't nobody know, know what you're talking about. These are the ones that need interpretation. Every time that you see in Corinthians 14, Paul says, hey, if you're speaking in tongues, you need to pray for what? Because you don't know if you're speaking a natural language or an angelic one. And so, so you need to be mindful of that when you're around other people. Okay? Now, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul references this in the first Verse, if I speak with the tongues of men and what? But do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Was that hyperbole? Was it similar? Uh, was it a metaphor or a simile? No. It was, he was saying, hey, I recognize that some of you are claiming that you are speaking in the tongues of angels. But if you don't have love, it's not going to mean anything to anybody. You are just making noise. So here's another use, angelic tongues. Number three, and this is one is actually interesting. When the word tongues is actually used in the New Testament, it also speaks of anointed tongues. What is that? 
people speaking in their own native language, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if you all recognize it, but I'm speaking in tongues right now. No joke. Jeez, you guys are so <laughs> Lord. I'm going to tell everybody when I get home, how was church? I just spoke in tongues for 45 minutes. It is, it's used to actually talk about how there's a language change, even though you're speaking the same language, there's an emphasis added when you give your life to, to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and he starts to breathe on your words so they have greater impact. It's anointed tongues. It's anointed tongues. How do I know that? Because after Pentecost, Peter stands up and now his words carry a different weight. He preaches and then, listen, and then it says, and the Holy Spirit moved and they were struck in their heart saying, what shall we do with what you just said? There was an anointing that came on him to speak with a power that did not exist prior to the experience. And it was in their native language. So anointed tongues. The last, last one. The unique language of your own spirit. That's why Paul said 1 Corinthians 14 too. For one who speaks in a tongue spiritually does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands, there's the mystery, but in his what? Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Paul was saying, your spirit, when God gives you the ability to speak in tongues, sometimes it is not the Holy Spirit speaking through you, but it is the Holy Spirit giving your spirit the ability to articulate things you don't even know. So it's the... So every time you see tongues in the New Testament, it's referencing one of these four. Now what our job is, is to figure out which one Paul is referencing. Because when you generalize it, and you say all tongues need to be in the private place, not in public, then you've actually cut off some of its function in use. You have to figure out where is this tongue being applied? Okay, so those are the four. Say, if you got it, say, I got it. So it's important because when we know which kind of tongue Jesus and Paul are speaking of, it eliminates the confusion on when speaking in tongues is to be freely allowed and when it requires interpretation. And it shows us its unique purposes, both in public and private spheres. So let's talk about that. So we talked about the four ways that tongues is being used. Now we're going to talk about the four unique purposes for speaking in tongues. Number one, it's a sign to unbelievers. What? Paul said it. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. You know what I find to be funny? I find it funny that the modern-day seeker-friendly church shies away from speaking in tongues because they don't want to turn unbelievers away. And yet God saw it fit to use the sign of speaking in tongues as the means to convert unbelievers and start the church of Acts. What? No, we don't want to do that because we don't want to freak anybody out. We don't want to turn anybody away. We want to, we want to soften what we do. And Paul says it's a sign for unbelievers. Do you know that the Greek, Greeks knew, they worshipped gods in their culture. And they expected that when you worshipped a god in their culture, there would be a manifestation. They expected it. No, no, we don't do any of that here. It's a sign for unbelievers. Do you know what that means? Unbelievers need to be present for you to be speaking. It's not for, hey, who in the room is a Christian? Okay, let's come in this corner and speak in tongues together because we feel so free here. It's not being overly sensitive and mindful, and I'm going to share testimonies which validate this, but it's not to be so overly consumed with, we don't want to turn anybody away because they don't understand what we're doing. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. It's a sign to unbelievers. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. 
Acts 2.4, once again, 18 other known languages that were supernaturally given to them by the Holy Spirit, and they did not know what they were doing. Let me just set you guys free. The disciples did not know they were speaking other native languages. They were just speaking. And yet the Holy Spirit used it to win souls. It was a sign to unbelievers. How can these Jewish fishermen be declaring the glory of God in my language? They're unlearned. They didn't go, they didn't have Rosetta Stone. Where'd they get that subscription to Rosetta Stone? They were just doing it. And you know what I find is nobody in the room was like, we really need an interpretation of what, what is happening here. A sign to unbelievers. And this doesn't just happen then. Let me share examples of when it happens today. Pastor Willard, Gary shared this story with me. In service, speaking in tongues. A woman comes into the service, hears, listen, overhears Pastor Willard speaking in tongues and says, you are speaking perfect French. Gary Larson in a small group, worshiping Jesus, just worshiping Jesus, singing in the spirit, worshiping Jesus. A lady says, I can interpret what you're saying. You're speaking perfect Spanish and you're saying, Lord, I love you forever, over and over. Jack Hayford, on a plane, you know when you have a long a flight, if you're not a social person, it's going to be a struggle. You better get to know the people next to you. You know why? Because if it's too long, their head's about to be on your shoulder. <laughs> you better to get to know the head that's about to be on your shoulder. So he's in, he's on this plane, and he's next to a guy. This is, I could show you the YouTube video of him talking about this. He's on, a, he's on a plane, and he's next to a guy named Bill. And he finds out that Bill is from Oklahoma. And Bill is a, uh, a Kiowa Indian. Now, I don't know what a Kiowa Indian is. I'm assuming it has something to do with the people that lived in Iowa. That's just my connection. They dropped the K. So nevertheless, he's on the plane with this guy named Bill. And they're getting to know each other. And the Holy Spirit tells Jack, speak in tongues to the man right now. I better have an interpretation. See, what you need to understand is sometimes you're responsible for the interpretation. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does the work by the other person knowing the interpretation. So he starts just speaking in tongues to the man. And as soon as he starts speaking in tongues, the man goes... Do you know what you're speaking? And he goes, no. He goes, you are speaking a pre-Kiowan Indian tongue. What kind of Indian was this guy? Kiowa. And he said, I know exactly what you were saying. This is what he said. You were talking to me about a light which comes down from above. And Jack Hayford said, as soon as he said that to me, I went to James 1.17 and I said, let me tell you about the light that comes down from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. That was a sign to an unbeliever. And you don't think God can use it in a public environment. John Bevere tells this story that he was preaching and... There was a staff member that had traveled with him to preach, or it was at, in Colorado where his home base was, and he was preaching or something, and the staff member felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to sit in the audience about 10 rows back and just pray in the Spirit the whole time that he was praying or preaching, the whole time he was preaching. He got done, and a man about three or four rows in front of this individual turned around and said, Wow, your French is perfect. Person said, I don't speak in French. They said, yeah, you do. You not only speak in uh, French, you speak in the perfect accent and ancient dialect of French. 
He said, I know that because I'm a French teacher. She said, I don't speak in French. He said, no, you do. And here's what you were doing. You don't even notice it. But you would quote in French a scripture that he would say, turn to me moments after you quoted it. She was quoting his whole sermon in French in tongues before he was preaching it. You tell me that's not a sign? It happens today. So that means that you actually have to feel the freedom to speak in tongues in environments like this and not be so afraid of turning people off and freaking people out because testimonies like that are waiting on the other side of you being activated. Number two, you want me to just close in prayer here or do you want me to keep on going? Okay. Tongues to be interpreted for the purpose of edification. Now, this is the place where Paul says, you better interpret what you're saying. Now, what the Holy Spirit showed me here that helped me so much is every one of us speaks in directions. Every one of us speaks in directions. Let me give you an example. If I'm speaking in tongues like this, who am I speaking to? Okay, so mind your business. <laughs> Where's your interpretation? I'm not talking to you. When you're up here and Amy and, 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 and Ian break out, are they talking to you or are they singing in the spirit? Okay, so mind your business. They're not talking to you. The direction of speaking matters. Here was the problem, and we'll see it over and over again in 1 Corinthians 14. Here was the problem. The problem was this, is that you had immature believers with a gift. That's always a dangerous thing. And they were gathering together. And the essence was, let's reproduce what happened at Pentecost Royal. So let's all speak to each other in tongues. The whole time, speaking, speaking to each other in tongues. Speaking, direction matters. Speaking to each other in tongues. And the whole time they're doing this, for however long they're together, and they're like, all right, let's close in prayer. And they leave. And Paul's like, that's unfruitful. That's not helping anybody. It's especially not helping, as Paul said, the unbeliever and the ungifted which means the person who doesn't believe in Jesus or the person who doesn't speak in tongues. It doesn't help them because, number one, they don't understand. And together, you are doing all of this the whole time, and then you're breaking. Everything needs to be done in decency and order. That's not helping anybody when you're speaking to each other in tongues. When you're speaking to each other in tongues, you better pray for interpretation. If you're speaking to God in tongues, that has a different direction. That's you and God. But when you're speaking to each other, don't just speak in tongues the whole time and then walk away because the person's going to be like, uh, what do I do with this? So here's the, the two points in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul is applying the use of tongues to two, two environments or two specific uses that need interpretation. Number one, if you're speaking in an angelic tongue, it needs interpretation. Now, what's I, what I find to be interesting is John Bevere went on to share another story about this. He said he was in Singapore. He was speaking at a conference. They were in the middle of worship. Worship came to, you know, how it kind of like flows like into a Selah, a man stood up, he said, he spoke in a tongue he had never in his life heard before. And then after it, he gave an interpretation of what he said. He said, my conclusion was an angelic tongue because I never heard it before. And the crazy thing was he actually preached my whole sermon before I preached it. Okay, now you may, you're like, wow, that's crazy. That happens all the time here. People in the prayer room are like, I got this. People are closing worship. Can you just stop? Can you stop? Because that's where I'm trying to go. 
So do you need interpretation when you're speaking in an angelic tongue? Absolutely. But the context is not being afraid of you speaking in tongues publicly and you're like, I don't know if it's a no language or an angelic. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. If you're speaking directed to someone. If I get up here and I just start speaking in tongues for 40 minutes and then we close, I better have an interpretation. Because that's not edifying anybody. And, and in that moment, I'm not even thinking about whether this is angelic or, or not. I, I'm speaking to you. But when people overhear you minding your own business and they hear God being glorified in a language that's unique to them, that's a totally different category, a totally different environment, a totally different context because it has a different direction. So where do we need interpretation? We need it when you are speaking directly to someone in a tongue that you are assuming is no native language or you're speaking to them in your own prayer language. That needs interpretation. And that's where Paul emphasizes so much of what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Every verse in 1 Corinthians 14 that Paul writes is encouraging people to be mindful of how they are speaking in tongues and why they are speaking in tongues is in regards to tongues that needs interpretation. Okay, let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. I don't have it, so you'll need to turn to your Bible. I don't have these in my notes. Paul says this. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. Okay, let's talk, talk about that. Who is that directed towards? It's directed towards people. You're not prophesying to God. God's giving you prophecy to share with who? People. There's a direction. So he's saying, hey, listen. If you're speaking in tongues the whole time, stop it. Pray for a prophetic word. That's going to be more edifying because of the direction. You're speaking to people. Now, if I, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. It's directional. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues... What will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Go down to verse 9. So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you are speaking into the air. There are perhaps a many great different languages in the world, no kind was without meaning. So he's talking about, hey, if you're going to speak directly to people, it's different when I'm speaking, I'm praying to God, I'm worshiping in the spirit, mind your business. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to him. But if I'm talking to you, I need an interpretation for the tongue. Or I better focus on prophecy. Because people don't understand the babble when it's directed towards them unless you interpret it. <coughs> then he goes, verse 13, Therefore, oh, okay, here we go. Verse 12, So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. In other words, you're directing towards, it's edifying if you speak in a tongue and you interpret it to the person. It's not when you don't. Verse 13, therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. But if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mindful is unfruitful, changing direction. If I'm praying in a tongue, what is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. In other words, there should be balance when you're together. Don't, I'm not eliminating you speaking in tongues in public, but don't do the whole time worshiping and speaking in it. Okay, speak, speak in tongues and speak in your language. Do both. Okay. Let's go down to verse 26. What is the outcome then, brothers? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation, that all things be done for edification of the other person. In other words, hey, if you're going to direct anything towards people, it better be edifying. And tongues isn't when you're not interpreting it. Is that clear? But if there's no interpreter, keep silent. In other words, don't come up here trying to be crazy charismatic. I got a word. 
what's your word? Don't worry about it. I'm going to share it real quick. And you just walk up to, hey, Jane, I got a word for you. Be blessed. Don't do that. That doesn't bear any fruit. It's about the direction. This is what Paul is talking about. I could go on, but I want to be mindful of time. We do not cancel out speaking tongues altogether. We are mindful not to do it directly to people without interpretation because it does not edify the person. So one of the things we need to ask ourselves is if we think a tongue needs interpretation in church environment is, is the person speaking tongues directly to me? Okay? Number three, tongues that is intercession for others. This is not Corinthians. This is Roman, uh, Romans 8. I, I find this to happen all the time for me. Matter of fact, I, when I'm at home and I'm praying, or if I'm right there, most of the time I'm praying in tongues. Because I don't know about you, but I get so overwhelmed by what to pray and everybody that needs prayer and how to pray that I use the practice of speaking in tongues to get connected sensitively to what the Holy Spirit's going to lead me to pray because I know that will be more effective than me just babbling off stuff. Romans 8, Paul says, he says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, the Holy Spirit, searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So I will start often praying in the Spirit because it helps me filter my focus. Okay, I, I, I brought this up as a joke, but it's true. If we all spent time praying for everything that needed to be prayed for, we would do nothing else. We would just pray all day long. Okay, lastly, tongues for personal prayer. Jude 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So interceding for yourself, praying for yourself, building yourself up, speaking in tongues. So here's the conclusion. Tongue builds you up. Tongues is a way of strengthening yourself. Tongues is a sign to unbelievers. Tongues can be interpreted and edify and encourage people. Tongues can be used to intercede for others, and it can be used to strengthen yourself. They are to be done in public spaces, but the direction matters. If I'm praying in tongues and I'm worshiping the Lord, I don't need to interpret anything. Mind your business. If what I'm saying happens to be an actual language, it's going to be assigned to you. Awesome. But if I'm speaking directly to you, I need to be careful of what I'm saying because I need an interpretation because it won't edify you if I speak to you in tongues without anything. Does that make sense? Okay, here's the last thing. If we stand with me. So what's the conclusion? Should you speak in tongues in public and private? And should you not speak in tongues in public and private? Yes. It depends on the direction. Here's my last testimony. Tongues is a sign for an unbeliever. I'll never forget hearing this. It stuck with me since I listened to it maybe a year ago. Um, Pastor Matt Rice at Life City, his wife Bryn, um, was sharing a testimony. I don't know. You know how, like, you're on Facebook, and it's like, we've gone live, and you, it's after church, and you're like, okay, well, I'm just curious how their service is and stuff like that. So anyway, she was closed in worship, and she said, I want to share a testimony with you. I said, what? She said, or I said, what? Like she was speaking directly to me. It was through Facebook. But she said, there's a lot of argument about tongues. Let me give you something. When I was a teenager, I was in the occult. I was doing occult practices. Have you heard this? I was doing occult practices. And a friend of mine invited me to church. And when I came into the church, during worship, I started to hear people speaking in tongues. And she said, it freaked me out. Here's why it freaked her out. Not because she didn't understand it, but because she did. She said, I didn't get scared out of church hearing in tongues. I got scared into the church hearing tongues because I knew you're operating in the spirit realm. I'm familiar with that. And what you're saying has power over what I've been practicing. 
But if you forbid it, that person's life is not changed. It's about the direction. It's about, it's about what's happening. And so you, you have to understand there is freedom in this. So what's the conclusion? Speak in tongues. It's not a mystery to be misunderstood. The direction matters. It's a gift to be exercised for the benefit of so many. So many people's lives can get changed when you walk in the spirit, when you operate in your spiritual gifts. And there may be some of us that have spoken in tongues and we have that gift, but you shrink back and you shy back because of things like this. And you're like, I don't know if I should be doing this. Matter of fact, that was me. I speak in tongues and I've read the chapter over and over again. I'm like, where does this fit in a corporate space? We can't just do it because this is who Redeemers is. We have to look at scripture to say, can we actually do this here? And what I find very clearly is we can do both. It matters about the direction that it's being spoken. So Lord, I pray over our people that have shrunk back from exercising that gift, that have done it for fear, done it because it's just not something to do anymore, that have shied away from it. I pray for those in our congregation that don't speak in tongues, that, that, that have seen it as mysterious and as something to, uh, to say, well, that's just not for me. And I pray that what we share this morning would help change the minds of people that have been tripped up for so long on how this gift is supposed to operate. And I pray people would be set free, and I pray that we would begin to engage in greater spiritual activity, that we would, continue, we would engage in a partnership with the Holy Spirit in a more greater way than we've ever before as we move forward. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.